0: For the Media by Us. My name is Brent, and I'm here today with David. Hello. Chris. Hey. And special guest Kelly. Hi. And we're gonna be talking about things we've watched this week as well as recent news. And we're gonna wrap things up by telling you what you should watch this week. Because you can't make these decisions for yourselves. <laughs> Can't be trusted. <laughs> but uh, let's start off with what we've been watching. Uh, David, would you like to go first? Sure, I'd love ha- to. haven't heard from you in a while on the, on the watch list.
1: Yeah, I watched some movies and I finished a TV show. It's recently available on uh, streaming. I'll do the TV show first. Um, I'm hesitant to talk details about it, though. I wonder if anyone has caught it or even has heard of it. Amazon Prime series forever forever no yeah, I'm unfamiliar with this Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen are a couple in a show created by Alan yang who co-created master of none and uh, did was a writer on parks and Rec and stuff mm-hmm. Um the collaborator with Aziz Ansari for a lot of stuff but it's a uh, yeah it's a show there Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph are are married and they're in like Riverside California someplace like that Um and kind of goes through some stuff. Has anyone seen it or heard of it? I haven't heard of it. I'm surprised I
0: haven't heard of it, given who's in it.
1: Yeah, it's only eight episodes, and they're 30 minutes apiece, and I may keep it at that, because the first, end of the first episode has a huge spoiler, and the show becomes something completely else. And then wow. after the second episode, it's a huge spoiler, and the show is an entirely different thing after what? that. It's crazy. Yeah.
2: So is it kind of like the good place in that regard, where it successfully reinvents itself?
1: Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and it does great stuff. It also has uh, Catherine Keener's in it. Uh, not too many other famous people are in it, but it's really good. And I kind of don't want to spoil anything uh, other with it. Okay. So leaving plot points out,
0: would you call? Is it comedy, or is it more drama?
1: It's more comedy, okay? Yeah, but it has some kind of larger points okay. to make. I will say that there is a nice uh, standalone episode. You know, Alan Yang doing Master of None. Some of the best episodes have been kind of standalone ones. Yeah, like the one, like the the slice of New York, where you got like the uh, the deaf um, people in New York and the sound drops out. I think that was a really cool episode. There's a similar one. It's not as stylistically different, but you get introduced to two different characters. Um, one of which we're a big fan of on this. Podcast Jason Mitchell from um, Oh cool, almost said Eastbound and Down. Nope, straight out of Compton. <laughs> Mudbound and Down. <laughs> yeah, the, all directional movies are the same to me. I guess. Yeah, I'm bad with direction. I don't think the
2: main character uh, or the adversary in Mudbound and Down would be Kenny Powers.
1: <laughs> it could be, but he might have a wizard hat on.
2: <laughs> I was making a White Powers joke.
1: Oh, uh, there I you
3: think, go. Oh, I thought you were too. <laughs> Like a white wizard cap.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Magical powers.
1: Yeah, but this standalone episode has Jason Mitchell and Hong Chao, who was in Downsizing and almost uh, looks like was on the precipice if he had an Academy Award nomination. Mm -hmm. But it's really good. They're two realtors who uh, kind of, it's kind of like, uh, you guys ever see the movies like the Before Sunrise, Sunset? I've seen the first one. It's kind of like that over the course of one 30 minute episode of it picks up and leaves them at different points in their life and they kind of touch back and forth. and uh, it's really good. They're incredible actors and they got a pretty good script and uh, yeah, it's definitely a sound standout. I think it's the fifth or so, maybe the sixth episode of the season. Again, it's really uh, really bingeable, know only 30 minutes apiece with eight episodes. I knocked that all in one day. Um, while at work mm. don't tell nobody <laughs> I was doing work also uh, yeah I'd recommend it um, I'd be really interested what you guys think if anyone else wants to see it and uh, can talk about the kind of the spoilers where the show becomes something else mm. so the yeah. show is forever on Amazon Prime that's it yeah nice uh, uh, capper for that until I fumbled through this I wrote it down <laughs> nice <laughs> And then after that, I saw some uh, some movies. I'll do the ones that you guys have already talked about first. Um, last couple nights, we just wanted to watch a movie, so we saw some recent ones. One was uh, Blockers. Nice. We saw Blockers last night. And actually, I really liked it. Nice. Was it TJ who had seen Blockers
0: and didn't, it, me. Oh. Who didn't like it very much? We, we both, both liked it. Oh, you both liked it?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that um, Geraldine Viswanathan is definitely a star in that. That's like a breakout movie for her. Um, She's really good. I think everyone's pretty good in it. I I don't totally agree with TJ about the Leslie man um, being so obnoxious that you kind of get out of the movie. I kind of understand where she's coming from. And uh, I just like how it really subverts a really retro grade kind of setup for that movie. You know, a bunch of uh, dads preventing their um, daughters from losing their virginity. And it, it's more like a... Um, more sex-positive kind of giving power to people than the you know premise in the commercials and stuff. And then there's, like, gross-out stuff. Yeah. But I think it's pretty good. And I, uh, I also really like Ike Barinholtz in it. He's like... Uh, He's always whenever he shows up in a movie or TV show, I think he's always funny.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, he's always good. He and Adam Pally to me are just like commodities to make uh, the idiot friend role just <laughs> elevated and way funnier.
0: Mm-hmm. He's also a learned
2: leaguer So yeah, yeah really, he is. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: cool. And now fellow llama, and now uh, everyone in this room is learned league and uh, and and TJ as well.
1: Yeah, I'll start the new no, season No, I
2: sent this. You've been referred now, Cal. Ooh!
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. You'll, you'll receive an email in the next week. I think October 26th is when you receive it.
3: Thanks for inviting me to your club.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me too. Now I'm, you can, I'm a newbie. It's, now you can it's get, very humbling. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, my God.
3: Oh, because that's what I need in regards <laughs> to trivia.
0: So you saw blockers? Yeah, <laughs> so you would also recommend blockers. Yeah, yeah, like
1: I-, I would recommend it. I think it's pretty funny. It's it's increasingly rare to laugh out loud at stuff. I feel like nowadays, and I definitely laughed out loud a couple times.
0: Good. I was I was wondering about because I've heard more on the performances and the the themes and how like how good that is, but I haven't heard that much on the comedy. But that's it's good. That's yeah.
1: funny. Not not to spoil anything, but just there's like a runner of this uh, breakdancer that's really funny. Comes yeah. up a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Um, but yeah, I won't spoil that. Uh, other movie I saw that I think at least Chris has seen is we rented uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have too much to add other than that it was a delight to watch it. You know, we watched it when we were a kid, kind of Mr. Rogers, and it's... You know, as soon as you hear his voice, you just like relax and just like sit in the couch and kind of sink a little safe. bit. Yeah. So
0: I know you said, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And in my head, I heard, Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, What does this movie have to do with Mr. Rogers? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> really weird. <laughs> Sorry. Please proceed. Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's about a sorority moving in
2: next to. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's really interesting how they frame, like, his promotion of decency is so controversial. It's just interesting. Even nowadays it feels controversial, and seeing, like, the context of the cartoons and kids shows at the time, he was really doing something revolutionary, and it didn't seem like it at the time. Mr. Rogers was never cool mm-hmm. growing up, or never cool at the time. It seemed like a throwback to, like, 50s, like, Howdy Doody type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's a lot there, especially they kind of highlight some of those very special episodes that, like, you know, they're pretty ballsy tackling some of that stuff in a kid's format. In discussions that kids really need to have with parents or, you know, adults at the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the... And specifically, there's the episode of the security guard, whose name I forget, but who's a black man, and the whole like allegory not allegory, but the whole story is Mr it's a hot day and Mr. Rogers has a feet has his feet in like a kiddie pool to cool off and he invites this black guy and the whole conversation is like, well, like why why wouldn't other people be okay with me putting putting my feet in the same pool as you? And that kind of like dialogue between the two of them is very surface level about, you know, them sharing this moment of relief from the heat. But it obviously in, like, the early 70s is teaching kids, like, you know, like, share with black people. Like, there's, right. nothing, there's nothing that makes them different. They get hot like we do, like,
1: right. It breaks it down to the the core thing behind issues that kind of get manipulated. Is it, At its base, it's, like, it's really simple. It's, like, it's a pool. You should be able to share it. The thing that's crazy is they show in context a video of, like, um, some African Americans in a pool with some white people, and there's this like an owner or something who, is in the video, po- is pouring bleach in the pool to get them to get out of there. It's really like disturbing.
2: Yeah, and the uh, <clears throat> the thing that I liked, and it's like it, it's 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 in the opening because it's it was Mister Rogers' uh, you know, impetus for making the show is the idea that. Like kind of like the socio-economic commentary that like, well, now both parents have to work or, you know, the the husband breadwinner of the family is deceased from the war or something. So you don't have that moral structure as much with one of the parents being home all the time teaching that morality. Mm -hmm. So the television as a stand-in for a parent had existed before him but it was stuff like Bozo the Clown and just throwing pies in people's faces. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting that they kind of like dive into that like you know kind of like the 12th man of the family is the television so why not trick people into teaching good lessons?
1: Yeah. You really feel the void just by taking it seriously. Taking that conversation between adults and kids seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. Especially if you watched uh, Mr. Rogers growing up. Um... I don't
2: even think yeah. you need to. He's just such a... Such a, uh, a... A vanguard for quality entertainment for children.
3: I think even if you didn't watch it, it's a pervasive enough show in the culture mm-hmm. to know... You're not going to be lost. You're not going to be like, well, what is this this puppet cat? Or what, what is with him wearing the sweaters and being super wholesome? Everybody just knows. Yeah. Like, that that's what his gag is or his um, mm-hmm. shtick. His shtick. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But.
1: Yeah, but I recommend it.
2: You think it's going to get a nom for Doc? I think it would. I think it's, I think it's, it, it is like the the popular documentary that'll probably get nominated and lose to fucking Agnes Varda's stupid hair.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they only have room for one happy Doc a year though. Yep. So, yeah. It's going to be this and then four new movies about Syria. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: haven't even seen yet. Can't wait to see those later. <laughs> yeah. But at least I'm ahead on my Mr. Rogers. Deck. Yeah. Um, two other things that I just saw real quick. Um, both AFI list things. You know, I'm going through and trying to watch all the movies I haven't seen from the AFI Top 100. One of them was uh, City Lights, Charlie Chaplin movie from like the early 30s. It was on Filmstruck, and I thought it'd be an easy watch, especially, you know, taking care of... Uh, Baby Daughter. Baby? Baby Daughter. (laughs) Um, because it's not, doesn't require that much. You can kind of passively watch it a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was okay.
0: You didn't like it as much as as I know I do. I
1: just, I just have a, a problem having a context for appreciating what is a good, that kind of movie. It's the first Charlie Chaplin or really silent, um... Comedy shtick movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a Buster Keaton movie or any of those kind of movies before. I think maybe the only other silent movie I've seen is Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, uh, just kind of in general, a blind spot for me. So I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was good.
0: So cha- I think Chaplin's comedy is. Uh... <laughs>
1: Yeah, and our podcast is Talkie Talk, so I try not to talk about <laughs> Sorry, it. Sorry,
2: I was doing silent movie gags over here. <laughs> they don't translate well on the podcast.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I, you know, it's a diff, very different style of comedy. Did you find it funny? Do you find the the uh, he's cuz he's in his normal, if I'm not mistaken, he is the uh, the tramp, the
1: tramp in this movie. He is. Yeah, and this impressive physical comedy that mm-hmm. obviously he had to actually do at the time. Um, it, it's funny um I just have a tough time getting beyond that surface level to appreciate anything else the final scene uh, from what I've read was somewhat uh, um, ahead of its time mm-hmm. in like the little uh you know I'm not gonna spoil this movie from 1931 were women wearing pants <laughs> it's just it's more an actual like character thing that happens about you know he finally gets... Something go his way, and there's, like, two actors play something for something besides, like, shock or... Are you trying to not spoil a movie from 31? I really am. I don't know why.
0: (laughs) Not even a talkie? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, uh... I would... I don't know. I think it's it's sort of one of the first formulaic romantic comedies in that way, in the Mm -hmm. way the movie ends. Um, But... I tend to be, I, I'm actually surprised at how much I like Charlie Chaplin movies, but I think the comedy's really good in them, and uh, City, Lights, City Lights is my favorite, just because of the uh, the sweetness
1: of it. Yep. Well, I have some other uh, silent movies on that list, too. There's two other Chaplin movies, and there's a Buster Keaton movie on there, so maybe... I'll start getting getting a little more context of me. Go you should, back to it.
0: I'm interested to see what you think of... I'm guessing the Keaton is the general?
1: The general? I've yeah. seen it.
0: It's. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think of that.
1: Yeah. Other chaplains are, I think, Modern Times and... I uh, can't remember the last one. Gold, Gold Rush? No. Gold Rush, yeah.
0: That's yeah. It. Gold Rush is good. Gold Rush feels longer to me than City Lights. It felt like a... Even though it's only an hour and ten minutes or so, like all those are basically about 70 to 80 minutes, but... Uh, some of them feel like chores a bit when you're watching them, but uh, um, yeah, I haven't seen Modern Times, uh, but I've seen the other two.
1: Yep. So, I I saw that. Um, And then the last one I saw, I think it's in the top ten for the AFI, is uh, finally a blind spot. I saw Schindler's List. As did I. Hey.
0: 25 years took us.
1: It did. It's crazy that the same year Schindler's List came out, uh, Jurassic Park also came out. Yeah, Spielberg was he was in the zone. It's like the most successful, which zone? All of them. <laughs> the most successful movie of all time at the time, and like the movie historically important that won all of the Oscars. That's quite a play. <laughs>
2: that is seen by a lot of people as the greatest movie of all time. Yeah,
0: it's a uh, like realizing halfway through Schindler's list that he might not win a couple of visual effects Oscars. It's like <laughs> I need to you know, better dominate the 93 award season. So, yeah. <laughs> let's just have the the greatest special effects bonanza since Star Wars. <coughs> so,
2: <clears throat> so Schindler's list I feel like is in that upper echelon with movies like The Godfather Part 2. Uh, I had it in my head. Oh, Shawshank Redemption, um, Citizen Kane, and like Breathless. Of to some people, that is like the ultimate movie. Mm-hmm. Where does your assessment fall on that, David and Brent?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting. Way after the facts, it has so much baggage as being like one of the most important movies of all time to actually go and watch it as a movie rather than, like, an academic exercise or whatever. It was, it's hard to say enjoyable, because I don't (laughs) think it's really enjoyable, but there's uh, great performances in it. Like, I knew that uh, Ray Fiennes, um, he's an incredibly evil, ruthless uh, Nazi guy. Eamon Mm -hmm. Gutt. Yeah. Eamon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what this needed. This movie needed more of. <laughs>
1: Jamaican, hey, on, <Bond>! Jamaican patois, <laughs> sorely lacking. Uh, I thought Ben Kingsley was really was really great in it. Um, he he is a uh, a Jewish accountant who kind of helps Oscar Schindler and does kind of logistics around the camp. You know, he's interestingly playing kind of both sides. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with Liam Neeson. Yes. He really like disappears in that. I don't think of Brian Mills and Taken at all. <laughs> his face like is just shaped different in that movie. He definitely looks German, even though he's like a, you know, Irish. I guess Irish uh, mm-hmm. man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but he's,
1: he's really great. He has to, he's like part of his, uh, you know, how he can save people. He's incredibly charismatic. And he also can play both sides of playing to the ego and the, uh, the uh, corruption of some of these Nazi officials and also try to do good, but also he's, he's, um, um, he's benefiting from slave labor from the, the Jews in these concentration camps for this uh, ceramics kind of factory he has. Mm. They kind of make uh, ceramic ware bowls and all these things, then later munitions for the war. Um, I think he he has a great I think some I read some people said it was overly sentimental but his final scene where he kind of leaves the camp I think he earns it during that movie and he's he's phenomenal in that scene. Yeah. He he's he breaks down and says, you know, I could have done more. And he's surrounded by everyone who's saved and he's like, you know, you saved all these people, you can't shoulder that. And he's like, I could have bankrupted myself to save more people. This is finally, like, coming to grips with, like, the gravity of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That, that's really good. The thing that was a little, like, a, you know, I knocked it off a half star is besides um, besides Ben Kingsley, you don't really get a lot of background on any of the Jewish characters. that are actually getting um, brutalized and murdered and, you know... Um, that are kind of going through this thing, mm-hmm. there'll be a thing where they will show you the process of flushing out the ghettos of, uh, I think Warsaw or so to flush them into concentration camps. So they empty the ghettos, but there are no characters that you've really um, that you would really know names or know who they are. They're kind of just um, general Jewish characters that the violence is being acted on. That's kind of the only thing is like you would have appreciated them having a voice in the story a little bit. But they're kind of just referred to as like this is happening to them. That would yeah. be my only kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I guess the only character you even get a little bit of insight into is Helen, who is uh, Amon's. Uh, what, what is she? His uh, maid.
1: Maid. Yeah. Servant or so.
0: Um, I could see that. I I don't know. Going back to Chris's question, I don't think I would put it up there with those other movies because I don't think it. I don't think it has. Those movies have like. This is going to sound super pretentious, but those movies have like, artistic depth to them where it's like they explore like themes and things beyond the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is really just a... I found Schindler's List to be oddly uplifting a watch, which is strange. I think because I had already prepared myself for the horrors of the movie mm-hmm. so much that watching... And I really didn't know the story. I didn't know what it was really about. And, uh, I didn't know what Oscar Schindler had done in the, in the war. And, um, as a result, I felt very inspired by his true story. But as with most true stories, I feel like the, there's a a limit on how good the movies can sometimes be in, in at least compared to like movies that try to tell bigger stories with fictional characters.
1: Yeah. There, there is a, there is a historical importance to portraying this, especially in a, in a time with people denying that the thing even happened. To have a historical record of from a lot of these people, the things that actually happened, I understand the importance of that, but it's hard to go beyond the kind of, I guess, the surface level theme of, you know, people, the evil of men and the humanity that you can find that are trying to do good beyond that. I don't think there's not too much beyond that.
0: No, and but I do think the message is good, which is, which is you know, even in what seems like a, a situation perfect for a nihilistic approach of, you know, I can't do anything, you know, he... He saves over a thousand people. Mm-hmm. And granted, that's a drop in the bucket compared to, you know, the atrocities and how many people you know were victimized by the Holocaust but at the same time I think the message is you know do what you can it's
3: a thousand more than zero that's
0: right
1: yeah and they have a they talk about a quote from the Torah Mm -hmm. it's like you save one person you save the world Mm mm-hmm Save the cheerleader, save the world. That's it. (laughs) That's not the Torah, that's Heroes. It's the prequel to... (laughs) Jesus. The the Torah has... Jesus, that's the Old Testament. The
2: the Torah always has been seen as the uh, uh, inspiration for
1: the show Heroes. Co-written by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. And Tim (laughs) Crane. Yep, that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was great, though. I thought it was... A fantastic movie, and not the chore that I thought it was going to be of, of watching it, because I really thought I avoided this movie for a long, long time. What seems like a slow, black-and-white character study and emotional ride, mm-hmm. I could see bouncing off of that.
1: It is black-and-white and kind of a character study, but it is not slow. No, it moves.
0: it. Like, it, it holds. It held my attention really well for three plus hours yeah
1: the kind of spielbergness of it and mm-hmm. like it's, it is definitely devastating but there are some th- scenes that are just you know um unbelievably um thrilling and kind of visually arresting like I think the the scene of the movie is the flushing out the ghettos mm-hmm. it's it's all these small little devastating stories you know I so say you don't really Get anyone's backstory, but you get these little vignettes of everyone trying to survive. It's a really long sequence, and it's very dynamic, and shows all these little, um, all these little flavors of humanity throughout it. It's it's very uh, it's hard to say it's exciting, you know, in this context, but it's very uh, I don't know interesting.
3: Have you guys seen any other depictions of Nazis that are that powerful of the Holocaust? Like, I don't know if anybody else has seen Band of Brothers. Uh, Oh, Band of Brothers is really good. Mm -hmm. I'm just, Um, I'm wondering if some of the emotion from that movie, obviously the source material is really emotional, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if it's just because there wasn't very much depiction of that before that movie. I'm just curious. That's a great question.
2: Because I guess, I guess that, that kind of gets to the heart of, in 1993 when people see this movie, it's one of the greatest movies and stories ever told. But now, is there a saturation that kind of diminishes that a little
1: or does the movie kind of use some shorthand where, you know, just displaying the holocaust is like instant empathy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like it's instantly in your emotions just because of what you bring to it knowing what's going on, on the screen but also what you know about what happened.
3: Right.
1: So
0: yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I don't have a great answer to that question, but uh I was I was wondering David, what do you think about the last scene in the movie?
1: Um I, I could have done without it. Me too. It's kind of the Spielberg goes one scene too too far. It it sometimes. also takes
0: right. me out of the magic of the movie which is that it the whole black and white thing even with the girl in the red coat. It it feels very documentary style mm-hmm. and it feels very like they they shot the movie in a way where you couldn't well where they didn't want people to be able to easily date the movie based on mm-hmm. um, on and then that last scene Allows you to very easily date the movie with the clothes people are wearing do they, in the cemetery. Do they
2: get on the boats to the land of the undying?
0: <laughs> <laughs> One scene too far? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was curious. Also, uh, boy, he it's the exact
1: same ending from Saving Private Ryan five years later. That's what I was thinking about. Spielberg doing a little like a bookend or like one scene too many mm-hmm. is like you could have finished with the scene in context but like he does the one more thing that has more John Williams score has a little song to like soar and it's like aren't your emotions emotions yeah I, d- I definitely could have also done without that
0: alright Jim's list you... you watch anything else that's it I'll uh, I'll go next only because mine sort of continues with David's which is just sort of watching movies people here have probably seen before, but I'm catching up <laughs> on movies that I was not really that familiar with. And I started with a 2006 movie, children of men, which, uh, have well, y'all seen that?
1: Yeah. I thought it was great. It's one of my favorite movies of the 20 something century. First. <laughs> yeah. What century? What year we well, is thing? this?
0: <laughs> We're doing a good job of making our podcast sort of timeless, timeless as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, that's, uh, that movie is complex and with its themes and whatnot, and I really, really enjoyed it. One of the best sci-fi, futuristic movies I've seen.
1: David wins. Um, so I was, I was curious, you know, the, the, the plot is that, you know, human, humanity basically becomes sterile, and they don't know why. So the people can't have kids, and generations are dying off and then there's a uh, glimmer of hope that there's someone who is pregnant and they may actually be able to have, have a kid. And all around that is this dystopian things about immigrant communities and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. With that, you know, I haven't seen it in a while. Is there any, uh, what did you think about it in thinking of kind of a modern context for it?
0: I think it's definitely a movie made that is trying to say things about, like, the... Uh The war in Iraq at the time, and just treatment of immigrants and uh, xenophobia and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it also, it's not done so pointedly that it's not still relevant. I mean, I guess the same sorts of things are are still very relevant now. Yeah. But um, I I do, I, I do think that it was written from the
2: perspective of a European continent, which has had of its native population a birth rate of under one now for like 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and is just kind of telling that story through to the point where the European native population is under zero. I mean, it's no no mistaking that Key is a multiracial person. Her name's Key, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's over <laughs> the top.
0: But <laughs> yes, because <laughs> the only thing that made me roll my eyes in the movie was that this uh, this woman who's so important to the future of mankind, her name is Key. Yeah, could have been hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, hope's at least a name. <laughs> I mean, people call their kids hope. <laughs> yes. But uh, no, it was,
2: was Clive Owen's really good in that movie. Yeah, what did you think of the uh, of the Warner of the
0: Spielberg take the uh, the seventeen minute long Unbroken? Oh my God! So I was reading about that a little bit. Apparently, they did use some visual effects to sort of cheat it. Yeah, and uh, but it. It was magnificent. The when he's wandering through the streets and there's the the firefight going on around yeah. him, incredible. It's it's from the opening movie till about like minute twenty. Uh,
1: there's actually several. Oh, there's several. Yeah.
0: The one I'm talking about is later in the movie. Uh, but that one, when they're in the car and they're going to when uh, a major character gets everything. Oh, sorry, I just went to sleep. Okay. Um, when a major character gets killed, is all I'll say is uh is surprising. It's like early in the movie, 20-25 minutes in. Yeah, that's, that scene is is also really impressively shot. The the camera work in the movie is amazing. Yeah, for the firefight, I heard the rumor that they used live ammunition, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
2: Jesus. which uh you know will will amp up the the
0: actors' performances. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. But definitely recommend that movie. I watched a movie that I think TJ has talked about on the podcast too. Early eighties, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, you getting in Spook <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's really good,
1: really good movie. Um, I, is it better than you thought it was going to be? That that's what it was for me. So when I saw it. I saw it uh, probably ten years ago or so.
0: Had I seen it ten years ago, it would have been better than I thought it would be. It's been talked up so much that it was about as good as I thought it would be hmm. at this point. Um, worth a watch. It's uh Yeah, I think a really good movie about um, suspicion. Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons. Since mm-hmm. That's the point of the movie.
2: That's Basically, the scariest part. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a parlor game as an allegory. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think, I think TJ's review of it was there's some good wet creature horror.
0: Yeah, yeah. When the the thing first, the first morph of yeah. that movie when it's in the uh, when it's in the dog pen, is just that is that's up there for me.
2: For yeah, it. Kelly, you mouthed the word wet at me, but it was. I've a, seen
3: the movie. I, I think it's accurate, and it's, it, it is a gross. very
2: common thing that horror movies in the '70s that fans wanted it to be more wet, <laughs> like they wanted it to be like gory and like things dripping right. and oozing, and so you would see a lot of reviews where they were talking about like. Like wet gore, and
0: it's it's a weird thing that happened. Where
3: it's it's accurate. Yeah,
0: yeah. Wet gore and allegore. Those are the that's what I want in a movie. <laughs> Preferably
1: wet <owl> gore. <laughs> uh, An allegory about gore with wet gore.
3: <laughs> You've been watching too much Bojack. <laughs> I don't
0: I don't have a lot to say about the thing other than it was just a very f- enjoyable, um, spooky movie. Spooky. Spooky. Um, then I watched something way more horrifying. I watched
1: Requiem for a Dream for the first time. Yeah. For the first time? Yes. Oh, Ooh. wow. Oh Well, of course, because there's no next time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, so, I loved it. Thought it was amazing. Um,
3: Who directs that movie?
0: Darren Aronofsky.
3: That's right.
0: I guess it was on the heels of me enjoying Mother that I just thought, "Ah, I should go back and give his older movies a a shot. Um, Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, I would say, one of the the most horrifying movies I've ever seen. About, makes me really scared of anything that I could become addicted to. (laughs) (laughs) Really scared. (laughs) Um, Also, I had to look up the Oscars from that year to see who won Best Actress. Because it was not Ellen Burstyn. She's really oh good. God. The f- Julia Roberts. <laughs> I haven't seen Erin Brockovich, but there's no effing way she was better than Ellen Burstyn was in this movie. I think the movie was probably too too out there for Academy voters.
3: For that time. Ahead
0: of its time. I yeah. think she would win in a landslide today.
3: Yeah.
1: Man, that, that's just final... I say scene, but the scenes of everything coming to a crescendo of horror... The Ellen Burstyn part of it is terrifying, the, the madness yes. of it.
0: Yes. Um, and Aronofsky, boy, he loves his editing room, <laughs> but uh, it mean, that, really works in this movie. I mean, that, like, super popularized it, though. Yeah. That, like, chop-cut transition, like the... With one song playing over everything. Yeah. The, the music in that movie is fantastic. It's, uh, it's a very unsettling watch. I was much more shaken by this movie than I was Schindler's List.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it sticks with you. Just hearing someone watch it for the first time, you go, oh, I just <laughs> got over that like yeah. a couple years ago.
0: But yeah, it's uh it was better than I thought it was gonna be. And that's with having heard all the praise on that movie for for years. But it's
2: it is unfortunately my touchstone whenever someone if I'm talking to someone who's not as As uh, into movies and TV as this group normally is. And I talk about Keith David. And Keith David, who's that? And I'm like, you know. Showtime. The guy who pulls his dick out in Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) The guy who uh, says he didn't just bring it out for air. And then it reminds them of Requiem for a Dream. And then I feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Jennifer Connelly, Jared Leto, and I forget... Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. Yes. And uh, Alan Burstyn. Great. All really good. great Great. Uh, the foursome of You've actors. Been, uh,
1: Sh- what's Shooter McGavin's real name? Christopher McDowell? McDonald. McDonald. is good as the game show host. Yeah.
2: The whole game show it's thing so is just such, a, sinister. Just such like a nightmare
0: carnival. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's a good description.
1: <clears throat> With, like... Is it a fridge? Yeah. Ugh
0: so after watching Schindler's List Children of Men The Thing and Requiem for a Dream <laughs> I needed something a little lighter Land Before Time <laughs> actually um, that's kind of sad at points <laughs> so I watched another a movie I'd never seen before but I bet some of you have Fantastic Mr. Fox
1: oh nice oh, yeah um it was a very likable enjoyable little movie that's how you put Brenty to bed yeah. after all those <laughs> horrifying movies. Bro, those scary movies. I think yeah. there's, I think there's a
2: reason why people normally don't include it uh, in like a top five Wes Anderson. But I think it is, it is a pleasant film, very pleasant.
1: Might yeah, be in my top five for him. Well, what do you know? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like the scene with the uh, wolf at the end.
2: Yeah. I still think my favorite scene, and it's a dumb scene, is uh, Badger and Fox. Are you cussing at me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cuss <laughs>
0: joke is yeah. uh, is it pays off every time for me. <laughs> who,
2: that be,
1: who the cuss would I would be or who the cuss would I be talking to?
0: <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Very Eric Wareheim delivery. There. <laughs> they say
1: the word cuss instead of swears. Yeah.
0: And then the the last movie I watched was uh, Last Action Hero, <laughs> which I always remember hearing bad things about that movie when I was a kid. Just and I know it was a bomb, a box office bomb, and it was not a great movie. But it's kind of enjoyable, and also you can. It's one of those movies where you can watch it and you're like, oh, this is so close to being a great movie. This would not be that far. Yeah, it's 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 like. It's so close to being a great movie. I feel like Last Action Hero could have been... There's an, some alternate universe where it was everything it could have been. And it was so fun. It's
1: an interesting concept. One of those movies I think about when we talk about like uh, if they could do an idea over again. When we talk about remakes. That's one I, I think about. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good movie in there somewhere.
0: Yeah. They didn't make that movie, though. No. But the, the movie they, they made was made. not that bad. Like, uh, it's not one of the worst movies I've ever seen, which is kind of what I expected it to be.
1: I think we might have seen it... Did we see it in the theater? Maybe. Or maybe it was a VHS blockbuster rental. That was right at about the time where I was coming to the realization that there are bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. because when you're a kid, there are no bad movies. Yeah. All movies are great. Watching a movie is great. I get to watch a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why, like... This is different.
2: That's why I am poisoned against all criticism because they all collectively think that Hook is a bad movie and it's not we rewatched it recently it, Hook is a great movie
1: yeah Hook's great yeah come at us <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah convince me I'm wrong <laughs> no uh yeah I don't know it's, it's interesting it's definitely a movie I wish uh, I guess they well it's been 20 something years 25 years because it was right there you know competing with Schindler at the Oscars in <laughs> um <laughs> But, uh, what a year what a year but yeah it's it's a movie I wouldn't I wouldn't hate if they remade just because the like the the skeleton of that movie is great and they just screwed up all the fleshing out of it um, but that's it for me in movies just catching up on things I've, I feel like I should have seen before and never have but oh. TV. I've uh, started season twelve of Survivor, <laughs> Survivor <laughs> Panama, which was the first year in which there was a uh, hidden immunity idol. Really? Oh, yeah. It
3: wasn't always a thing. No. Yeah. But
0: so this season is interesting because uh, so it's the first season where they introduced the concept of exile island, which they've gotten rid of over the years. But um, where somebody one one side wins a uh, challenge, they send somebody from the other team to Exile Island and that person has to just basically find their own food, survive for like a day and then they get to come back but while they're there, they get there's a big map and uh, they get a clue as to where this hidden immunity idol is, it's only on Exile Island Mm. and uh, as more people fail to find the, the idol different areas of the map get shaded out So there's like, it's not here. The producers go in after each one. It's like, not here. And then they give one little extra hint. Um, Also, the Hidden Immunity Dattle, when they first introduced it, you basically just got to keep it in your pocket, and then if you got voted out, you could stand up and play it after the votes.
3: Ooh. That's not as interesting.
0: No. That was fun. Obviously, they were still trying to figure out how this thing was going to work. And they probably realized that after... It hasn't happened yet, but once it does, I'm pretty sure the producers are just going to be like, we now see what we should have done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but, I don't know. It's a it's a, it's a good season. It's uh, Ceri's first season. Oh, cool. And she's great in it, too. It, there's a great scene where she's, uh, this guy comes over to basically air some grievances with this girl in their camp. And Ceri is just standing there tending the fire. And... Uh, he says, you never do any work around here. Isn't that right, Ceri? <laughs> and Ceri, it cuts away to Ceri's, like, talking head. She goes, that was the moment where I should have just walked away. <laughs> but I just had to stand there like an idiot for some reason. <laughs> and so she's just standing there. She's like, well, I mean, she's trying to, you know, yeah, not piss anybody off. But it's it's fun. It's the first season available on Amazon Prime. So it's uh." I've enjoyed going back and re-watching old Survivor seasons. Because they go so fast. Because uh, an episode of Survivor you really only need to pay attention to about 15 minutes of.
2: Yeah. Which, um... We'll we'll take a break from regular scheduled programming. Do you guys want to talk about Survivor real quick? Hasn't really been
0: that, like, exciting of a season so far. We forgot it last week in our... Really? Yep. Oh, yeah. Our, oh, that's right. On we the didn't even mention it. Although, what would we have mentioned other than just... Eh, they sent the girl home. She probably wasn't going to win. Yeah.
1: Yeah, my takeaway is, I hope, uh, is it Natalie? Yeah. I hope she goes all the way to the very end. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such delicious um, lack of (laughs) self-awareness. Yeah.
2: She's, I mean, she's also, like, the easiest person to put, like, when you are down to X number. If Natalie is one of
0: those people, you're fine. Right? <laughs> like, people are already fine realizing like that's yeah. what the one girl is basically saying. She's like, she is, she has no shot to win. I would it's, love to protect her.
1: It's possible she wins every immunity challenge going forward till the very end, and she is so unlikable. I don't know if she could win. <laughs> <laughs> just shattered records. Yeah. Every hidden immunity idol, every challenge, is won by her, and they still it's like. I just don't like her. <laughs>
2: She, she walks around the island with her seven immunity idols around her neck the entire time. <laughs>
3: I don't know if people told her what it was going to be like. I It's like she has never seen a, or oh heard God. about the show before. And that guy. And, and just was like, yeah, I'll go.
2: And that guy accused her of that. I think his name was Jeremy, right? Jeremy. Yeah. He, he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that, I thought that you were a, a fan of the show that you'd seen it before, but I guess not. It's like. That guy, it was also super ironic that the one person telling her that she has zero self-awareness, at least who they showed, also had zero self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You cannot play that strong. No. Not that early. Yeah.
2: And you can't You can't walk around screaming that you're a super fan. You can't walk around, like, basically doing
0: character assassinations in public. Like...
1: And I went through this guy's stuff. He definitely has an idol.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, when you're going through people's stuff that early in the game, every other person on that tribe, the only, they're, like, I think they appreciated the information that he provided on (laughs) whoever uh, that was. Dan? Dan. Yeah. But that's secondary to the first thought, which is, oh, he is going to totally go through my stuff Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Also, yeah, we'll get rid of Dan. We got to get rid of him. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that info. Uh, now you we have used all of your uh, utility, right? So later,
1: yeah. Didn't he? Did he vote for Natalie?
2: Yes, he was the only vote for Natalie.
1: See, what would have been more interesting is if he stumped or whipped for somebody else, because the you know he's playing so hard and just that like she's annoying. You needed a better case than that. Maybe mm. like blindside Dan, flush out the idol, do that kind of thing rather than just say like this person's annoying.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think that, the, that, may have happened to some extent. It just, you know, for the storytelling in the hour long episode, it had to show this Jeremy versus Natalie. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's no way that once you know someone has an idol, the conversation doesn't come up to start flushing it out, especially with a strong competitor who is part of a showmance like Dan. And they did, they talked about it a little bit mm-hmm. about the showmance and how they have a target on their back. Um, but I think it's 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 better editing to show the one on one of Jeremy and Natalie because we had such rich conversations between the two of them, just like trying to one up each other, talking over each other about how basically how, how stupid and blind they are while they're playing this game, and Jeremy. how they're
3: disappointed in the fact that they can't take solace in their race. Yeah, talk about that. Like you're you know you we share the same skin color. I thought I was gonna get along with you, and then they're both just like screw you, screw you, like you suck.
2: By the way, the vote casting interview, uh, the, the the vote casting of Natalie. That's all that has gone to fans uh, like top ten list. When Natalie writes Jeremy's name down, she, she like you know says uh, you know like like you're a snake, like you're not self aware, like all this stuff. And then as she's like folding up, and putting away, she goes, "But your skin is beautiful, baby," and puts it in the, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Jeremy
1: also had one of my favorite quotes from last week. Is like, in talking about her self-awareness, it's like, she's been married for 40 years. Somebody already loves her. She ain't going to change. Yeah. <laughs> He's very... I
0: love that. He has great insights, yeah. in which is another reason they probably were a little happy to get rid of him. Yeah. I'm
1: disappointed he got voted off, because I did like him. He did
0: like him. I, I think would he would have been good TV. And? I
3: loved his friendship with Mike Schneebly. I keep wanting to call him
0: that. Ned Yeah. But props to Mike for... Quickly realizing that, like the person you're sort of tethered to early, mm-hmm. you just need to cut loose. Yeah, because it's it's difficult to do, especially for someone who doesn't really feel a strong connection to anybody else in his tribe. God. From what I can tell, the, the tribe swap is going to be perfect for Mike.
2: Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be able to play into both sides. I think very easily.
3: He's so friendly and non-threatening.
2: Yeah. He's, he's he's what Natalie thinks she is. Like... <laughs> How can she think that? <laughs> because she, she walked around saying that she has all these friends at camp.
3: Mm.
2: Like, that episode, she was walking around saying that she has friends at camp, which is what led Jeremy to say the thing that fans turned on him for, which is, if I drop dead right now, I'd have nine people at my funeral. Natalie would have none.
1: <laughs> I like, also, during that when she's saying that it's overlaid over a montage of her her going like hey don't don't spill that water <laughs> like, just being an asshole not doing anything
0: my favorite Natalie moment of the season is when she when they're just like the tribe is just chit chatting and she walks over to them and says I, I really think we should be working on the shelter and then she goes and sits down on a stump and watches them work on the shelter <laughs> <laughs> after they're breaking them up from what they were doing to get them back she sees herself as like the foreman yeah maybe, so, maybe she actually did watch
2: Survivor and she's like there's a way to show that this isn't a utilitarian society but this that I can make this a capitalist society I can make people work for me
0: and I can exploit their labor
1: born manager
0: Yeah. yeah but but yeah. Not a whole lot to talk about so far this season. Though. Looks looks like we're getting some
2: some buff swapping next week, yeah. which it should be interesting. It's a, I don't like how early it is, but... I think it needed it. They all expect it. Yeah, and I also... I was telling Kelly after we watched it, I really think that they want to... Now that David is down two and Goliath is down one, <clears throat> you know, the the David versus Goliath story gets told well once they merge those, or swap those tribes around. That's mm-hmm. true. Because they're going to be outnumbered in one camp, uh, at least. Well, no, one camp at most. Um, and then to see how the Goliaths perform when they're in the minority um, will be interesting television.
1: But... Before they do that, do you think they're going to do have a... Uh Uh, A challenge where they have to I feel like they always have to shoot something at a target it'd just be perfect if that was a giant slingshot and Jeff Probst goes David you should be natural at this you love your slingshot take your shot at your Goliath and Goliath just has like they have boulders they just have to crush them with
3: and Christian would be like well I
1: built a robotic slingshot once I know
3: how to do this Um, yeah I kind of like him though oh I love him
0: yeah, I've quickly found my favorites in this season. And there's a lot of them. I, I like, like, I don't know, seven or eight castaways. But Christian's among them.
1: I like the nerdy girl who's obviously into Christian also. Gabby. They're yeah. adorable. I yeah, love watching Gabby no, Christian talk oh, about
2: the that? logistics of Slamtown. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was fucking hilarious. The the, the the quick-wittedness of Chris I really appreciate when she's
0: like, well, what do you call people from Slamtown? He goes, Slamtonians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Also, they have my single favorite moment of uh, the season so far, which is uh, her saying she's distressed and she says, Christian, do do you want to play with me? And he goes, in the sand? Sure. (laughs) She's like, no, do you want to play Survivor? Do you want to play play this game with me? He's like, oh, yes, uh, of course that's what you meant. (laughs) Briefly thought she (laughs) she was inviting him to just play in the sand. And his answer was an immediate yes. (laughs) But, uh, anyway... Moving on, Chris. Yes. What you've been watching? So
2: I watched one thing, solo that I'll touch on quickly. I watched the movie Searching, the oh. John Cho movie. Yeah. Uh, daughter disappears one night, and uh, you know he tries to find her slash investigate. Uh, it's a uh, better than I thought. So the the there's a gimmick, and that it's all it all takes place in like on computer screens. Or phone screens. So there's no like, you know, moving camera or anything. And I think that it is at times really brilliantly done, but also at times like a little too obvious that they're making a movie. Um, some of the good things they do is like in the intro of the movie, the intro is super fucking sad, by the way. Um, it, the thing they don't tell you is, in the tagline of the movie is that it's not just John Cho's daughter goes missing, but earlier in the year that her daughter goes missing, uh, his wife dies after a long battle with cancer. And they show all that. It's kind of like up in the first like 10 minutes. Oof. It's just like a montage of how much in love and how much of a unit this family is. And then you see like a Gmail notification pop up, pop up and it's like from a doctor. And it says, your results are in. And they open the email and they read it. And it's, you know, you, know, you need to come in. Uh, you know, aggressive chemotherapy, whatever, and then they even like play with you, and it goes into remission, and then comes back like more uh, aggressive. But so there's there's really clever ways that they do it like that, and you know when he when he's when John Cho is initially investigating, uh, the way that they kind of incorporate music in is they he opens up like a YouTube video of. And it says like uh, like relaxing music, and it says like four hours loop. Hmm. And so he puts that on a YouTube uh, tab and like minimizes it, and then he starts doing his investigation things. So they've got they can incorporate diegetic music and just. Hmm. I, I just think it's really clever, but uh, it gets kind of ridiculous when the majority of the filmed action is somebody who has ended a FaceTime call on their like iMac or MacBook. And they just leave the FaceTime window open, so it still shows like your video preview
0: um,
2: to yourself, so that we can see them, so that you can see like John Cho like having conversations with people, like having phone calls with his brother. Um, so that's a little little. There's also a memorial service, and if this memorial service reaches out, like, hey, your daughter had an online presence, so we'd like to live stream her funeral, and he's like, fuck yeah, sign me up, so that they can show kind of like Act Three. Um, but all in all it's a good movie it's I think Brent you'd like it if I, I know that, that TJ accuses you of liking treasure hunts and that's exactly what it is is it's kind of a a, a mystery unfolding um, it's it, it's it's the it's the, the breadcrumb
0: nature of it that is yeah. intriguing even if it's not even that well done it's usually entertaining yeah yeah and it, and it is at least that yeah
2: um, I think I gave it like three and a half stars nice um, you know, it was, I was kicking off my, my spooktober. Um, Kelly and I both rewatched Scream and Halloween, but I don't think we need our hot takes on that today, seeing as we've already gone 56 minutes on <clears throat> what we've seen, but how October is for scary movies. That's true.
3: I like Scream. That's all yeah. I'll say.
2: Yeah. Scream's good. Scream's good. Scream. Scream good. Well, it's funny because we watched Halloween and then we watched Scream immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, it. it's obvious the connection's in there, but there's also like weird stuff, like Loomis is the name of Doctor, Mike Myers' Doctor, Michael Myers' is Doctor.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, baby. The love guru is Mike Myers' Doctor. Uh, and uh, Skeet Ulrich's character's name is...
3: What? Billy Loomis. That's Billy that guy's Loomis. name is Skeet Ulrich?
2: Yes.
0: This is a Yeah. <laughs> Skeet, 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 <laughs> motherfucker. It's not his
2: name. Um, it probably isn't his name. I bet that he... I mean, in Hollywood, you have to pick a name that no one else has. Sure, well, that's for one of them. Sure, for, Short for
1: <laughs> Mosquito.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: mosquito Ulrich. Um, but you have to pick a name no one has for Union.
0: Oh, man. Reasons. He was born Brian Ray Trout.
3: Oh, that's worse.
0: Yeah.
2: But, uh... Yeah, there's that, and also, um, at the end of Halloween, when uh, when Lori is telling the kids um, to get out of the house, because Michael Myers is in the house, she goes, Go run down the street to the McKenzie's, knock on the door, call 911, tell them what's happening. And then in Scream, it's the same thing. They talk about going like going to the neighbors, going to the McKenzie's.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There's just, you know, I mean, it's, ob- it's Wes Craven, he's
0: obviously a fan of it.
3: The janitor's wearing the same patterned shirt as Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Just a lot of random details that are clear homages.
0: Skeet is indeed short for mosquito. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Childhood nickname, Skeeter.
2: <laughs> uh, so you guys helped keep this podcast uh, kind of out of date, but we are going to date it. Yes. Um, and take it out to a couple movies. Uh, Kelly and I went and saw two new movies, probably uh, crossing two off of... Our Oscar watch. Uh, we saw the new, new, new. Uh, a Star is Born. And we saw the first man. The first man or just first man? I think first, it's just man. First, first man.
3: First
2: man. Let's talk about a Star is Born. It's great. Yeah, this obviously tickles uh, Kelly's musical bone.
3: Um, I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan, and I'm the kind of person that will listen to the soundtrack before the movie. So I loved the soundtrack, and then I went into the movie, and I was like, this is actually really good. I was kind of surprised at how good Lady Gaga was as an actress. Mm.
2: Yeah. She really, anyone who doubted her Golden Globe win for AHS uh, really kind of uh, needs to take a seat after a star is
1: born. Leonardo DiCaprio, take notice. (laughs) The famous reaction, Jeff. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
2: him going... When she walks by,
3: she put her butt in his face. She like hit him with her butt. <laughs>
2: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper are both really good. Uh, I feel like Bradley Cooper's doing a little bit of a Chris Christopherson impression. Um, but it works. It doesn't grate on you and you kind of fall in with the character.
1: Heard they actually like, uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of not funny but interesting from the trailers is his little, his gruff voice, like his little Jeff Bridges voice, that they actually do touch on where that comes from. Yeah.
2: It's, um, he's, his brother in the movie is
3: Sam Elliott. Sam
2: Elliott. And their father was also a singer, and they talk about having the voice. Mm. And that's, you know, Sam Elliott's trademark, like, low gruff. Uh, kind of mumble which is sam Elliott's natural voice
0: they hear that their father was just a big pile of gravel <laughs> it was gravel in a whiskey glass
2: <laughs>
1: Aut- autonomous gravel um
2: but so yeah so they do, they do they do touch on it i don't think it's necessary but
3: well it doesn't bother you as much as you think it would from the trailer right because i thought oh man I'm gonna get so tired of this voice and yeah. it's it doesn't it doesn't take away from the movie at
1: least it's what I'm Yeah. I like that it's at least in character. They kind of touch on it. Yes. Rather than Batman gravel voice just like really annoying the shit out of me after a while.
2: Yeah. Because Batman's gravel voice in The Dark Knight is just Clark Clark Kent's glasses. It's just like another part of the disguise that's just like, okay. Um, But man, A Star is Born is an emotional ride. Uh, it is clear the parts of it that were updated without having seen any of the the originals. Um, you know, the, the, the general arc of A Star is Born, if it remains constant throughout, is, you know, Guy finds woman who's singing in a lounge. Or Guy finds woman who's a talented singer. She's and singing at
3: a drag bar, which is very weird.
2: In this, but that, that's what I'm saying, is, right. is the updates. And you know, kind of showcases her, helps her, you know, become famous, and then he kind of fades away, and now she's the new bright star. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, there is some interesting things they do with this where, you know, she's singing, like, Edith Piaf in a drag bar, and she's, you know, working, uh, she's living at home with her dad, who is kind of a landing pad for 24 hour Uber drivers uh and so her house is constantly filled with these like old men who all you know knew Frank Sinatra and who were told they sounded better than you know all these greats all these great singer standards and uh Andrew Dice Clay who plays her father is surprisingly good but like a very demure down Andrew Dice Clay um and is good the uh But then you know it's you know she doesn't just become you know popular in the vein of music that Jackson Maine, who's his character, uh, is famous for,
3: which is like a Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton type, yeah, Mm -hmm. outlaw
1: country kind of
3: thing, yeah. But but still popularized, Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. But she's she becomes like a like an SNL Dua Lipa style pop star,
0: Mm.
2: and so then there's you know the the commentary there. Uh, I don't know if if the Streisand version covers that and Streisand becomes famous you know, Christofferson's a country musician obviously, and then Streisand does disco, but I'd be curious but, yeah, yeah it's a, it's it's an interesting update you know, I'm I'm always a fan of taking uh, of, of adding that extra, like, modern tinge to an older story um, but all in all, I think it's a good movie. I don't want to spoil it because movie's like has been out for a week. Yeah. Uh, and I recommend seeing it. The songs are great. Bradley Cooper's alright as a singer. Um,
3: he was trained by Willie Nelson's son on guitar and singing.
2: Mm-hmm. Willie Nelson was too busy? Probably a little old. <laughs> I'm kidding. Also,
3: he still tours. He still does yeah, I know. He's probably pretty busy. I was making fun
2: of Bradley Cooper.
3: Oh. Gotcha.
2: Uh, but as far, I mean, it is a great outing as director uh, for Bradley Cooper. You know, he there's uh, there's just some some great camera work and the you know obviously this tells the story of a you know person's rise to fame on a timeline and he does a really good job kind of cutting back and forth between you know the old times and the new um, and telling that story.
1: I recommend it. Excellent. I loved it. Yeah, makes me want to see it even more. Listening to you guys. Yeah.
3: Do you think they'll get an acting? Or do you think just directing?
2: I think Lady Gaga... Well, it's... It's it's both early and late in the season. But I think that, that they're both outside shots in right now.
1: To win or be nominated? Be
2: nominated. I think the Lady Gaga will, might get a nomination.
3: If somebody... If there's some scandal where someone gets pushed out. Never know. I mean,
2: the the... Lead Actress and Supporting Actress is, it feels like to me, sometimes a way to nominate movies that are not going to edge in elsewhere, Mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate, but, I mean, I think that it'll, I mean, it's not going to get, like, a a writing award. It might get direction for Bradley Cooper, but that's also, I mean, you're taking your, your freshman effort against, you know, like... Coron's next movie is supposed to be like ridiculous. Unlike last year, where you had Greta Gerwig being actress turned director, this year you have at least two. With Jonah Hill's movie getting lots of uh, buzz, and uh, you know, it's it's apparently like a passion project that he's been trying to make for, or he's been making, he's been writing for five years. And whereas this is Bradley Cooper directing a movie that has literally been made three other times, yeah it's hard it's an uphill battle for a born it'll definitely get nominated for best song
3: oh yeah
2: for uh Shallow Shallow um or even maybe Bradley Cooper's like original hit song
3: I don't that last song's really good
2: the last song's really good but it is only good from a story perspective I think
1: well same with the uh you know the audition song from La La Land right it was in there and it's all context true out of context it doesn't make any sense
0: yeah. Ba-da, ba-da, That's how you segue <laughs> to you guys seeing a Damien Chazelle movie. Yep. We, we, <laughs> have, we have some Chazellets okay. on our podcast. Yeah, was with Baby Goose Man. <laughs> how long were you cooking Chazellets? <laughs> oh, uh, about like three minutes. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah.
2: There was a couple times we were talking about Wars Bar. I looked over at you and you had a grin on your face. I didn't know what it was
0: about. I oh, don't know. I was thinking about... Stars Born memes. That's fine. (laughs) I'll show you some.
1: (laughs) Just wanted to look at you again, Demi Uh,
0: So, First Man, his fourth directorial movie. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying anymore. What would you think, Kelly?
3: I thought it was 30 minutes too long.
0: If they had cut out the stuff that you think could have been cut, would would it have still been a good movie?
3: I, even with the extra 30 minutes, I still think it was a great movie. Um, there's a couple of scenes that are just incredible. And um, what's Janet? Claire Foy? Yeah. Claire Foy is great. Nice. And she doesn't have that same weird American accent that she had in the It Unseen. is a much
2: better. Mm. Who else saw On Same? Did you? Okay.
3: It's Wisconsin, so I don't know if that's easier to do. But it was much better.
2: Yeah. Mm. She uh, sounded
3: like she was from Wisconsin. I
1: love Claire Foy.
2: Yeah, she's. she's I was. I was telling Kelly last night. I think that she's really having a moment with starring role in Steven Soderbergh's film Unsane. She's got. She has the most lines of anyone in this movie. She is, and it, 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 she's not the focus. It's just you know, Neil Armstrong has is always. I mean, not I don't know about like has always been because I don't know the guy personally, but he's always seemed like kind of a subdued person and that is how he's portrayed and played by Gosling which is another lucky casting for him <laughs> uh, but she she really she really chews it up as the steadfast wife turned concerned partner because um, spoiler alert uh, you know is, is really they make it to the moon <laughs> is, is is really worried about uh, this thing going Allegedly.
1: wrong um, God,
0: no. <laughs> they get all the way to the sound stage is what you mean
2: there's
1: a Stanley Kubrick in the movie <laughs> yeah. they meet him yeah
2: what did you, th- Cal, what did you think about the what, what scenes would you would you take out, what, what, what did you think was the fluff
3: so I understand some of the picnic family moments I think those are good builders, but some of them are very long and just a little too much.
1: I, I agree. A little indulgent? Like a little,
3: it, I each underst- scene's
1: a little too long kind mm-hmm. of thing?
3: Yes, I understand why they have those scenes in there. Um, I think it's really important to kind of show that aspect of it and not just like, I'm Moon Man, I'm going to the moon. It's You know, this is a person with a family, so it makes sense. That they have those scenes, but they're so long. Yeah, they've, they they accomplished they could accomplish what they need to in a lot shorter time period.
2: All of the cinematography, sound editing, the like direction, the acting, everything when they're in space is phenomenal. And the buildup, you know, because it's basically it, there are no exterior capsule shots. It is all shot basically in the in the claustrophobic. Dimensions that the astronauts felt. Mm-hmm. So you're either, like, seeing, like, camera lens two inches from the astronaut's helmet, or you are looking through their POV. And most of the time, their point of view is out a tiny window that is showing mostly blackness. The only thing that that window accomplishes is a difference in the amount of light that's coming in. Because, you know... It, and
3: it's not even in front of them. They right. have to have a mirror to see out of the window. Yeah. It just shows how little they can actually see. Yeah. Right.
2: Because, like, surprise, if you didn't know, like, space flight is zero visual. Like, you don't look at anything except for you do all instrument-based flying. So, they do a, a fantastic job with that. And they kind of bungle... Well, not bungle, because that implies that they make mistakes when they shoot the stuff on the ground. The stuff on the ground is shot well, but they hammer over they hammer you over the head with the fact that the Armstrongs have lost a child, and he is still emotionally dealing with it. You know, even ten years after it happens. So, I
0: have one question about the movie, and that is, I've. I've read in a couple of reviews they compare it to whiplash in terms of it uh being directed by James
1: Giselle. <laughs> No but in
0: ter- he, that but uh in terms of it uh, focusing on obsession and uh quest for greatness. Did you notice that? Was that noticeable to you in the movie? No. No? Okay.
3: I think it was. Well. Think about the scene where he slams the door on his wife.
0: Hmm.
2: She
3: she's trying to talk to him and he's like I gotta go back to work and I
2: Yeah, but that's, that's, that's not an obsession. That's, that's him. He comes home. He has, uh, he's dealing with grief. He's just dealing with it poorly. I don't think that, that he's replacing, that he is dealing with grief by obsessing about work.
3: I, I kind of got that vibe. That that's how he was handling the grief of, you know, another spoiler. A bunch of these astronauts die. Um... Getting to the moon, like in the process of getting to the moon, and he loses a daughter and loses a lot of close friends, and I think that he completely buries himself in his work so he doesn't have to deal with those emotions.
2: But I don't think that's obsession. I think that one of the few times, and honestly, Ryan Gosling smiles maybe four times in the entire movie. One of the few times he smiles is when he gets picked, and they call it the G- the instead of Gemini. The oh, Gemini. That uh, but when he gets picked for the Gemini program and it is not caused by like him trying to entertain kids or anything, it's a really quiet moment, him and his wife at the dinner table and he, he very flatly is like, well, I got it. I'm going to be on the Gemini program. And she just like looks at him and she smiles and gets giddy and then he smiles and starts laughing. Like it's like, it's not an obsession. I think he's just, he just loves his job. He loves being an astronaut.
3: I think we're just maybe taking different takes on that word. Because I think in order to do something of such magnitude that you need to be a little bit obsessed. With that kind of science and that kind of project, if you're not a little bit obsessed, it's not you're not going to be able to do the kind of work and still enjoy it and be able to survive. So I think maybe it's just a... I, I don't see obsession as a bad thing.
2: Right. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean, I I, I accept that definition. I just would counter with... I feel like obsession requires great sacrifice for it to be considered an obsession. And I think it is a natural occurrence of being an astronaut that you don't see your family as often. And so I don't really count that for this profession. Being obsessed about your work, he's not... like His health isn't at the detriment. His... You know reputation isn't being impacted his you know if anything it's being helped you know his
3: and they show all the scenes with his family for that very reason
2: right i mean he's he's like the only i mean it's, it's why i think that that the time they spend on the ground is a little mismanaged is you've you've you finally get the scene where the kids like all right, does that mean you're gonna miss my swim meet and you as if you That's were exactly Yeah You as if you were watching go like, Well obviously you fucking idiot <laughs> That's not what
3: I thought yeah. I thought like, Oh Yeah because the kid isn't thinking like Oh you're going to the moon the kid is like Oh you're gonna be gone
2: Swim to the moon you little shit <laughs> <laughs> We're landing at the sea of tranquility, maybe we could use your skills. Oh wait, we can't, you're an idiot.
1: Everyone else is going, Oh And Chris is yelling,
2: Gip shit <laughs> <laughs> Try to read a book, you idiot. It's supposed to be a touching scene But, you know, caught up in the hype of the space race, you would think that the child of the man who is the number one choice to go to space would understand it a little bit better. Kid's not four. He's like 12.
3: Yeah, he's the older one.
2: Yeah. He's 12. He's lost his, you know, younger sister. He's like dealt with his father losing friends. He's old enough to grapple with these concepts. But then, like, daddy flying to the fucking moon and being the first person to do that is just like, are you going to miss my swim meet? I don't know. It's a little discordant. Yeah, it, it was. It, it feels like a an attempt to touch the human side of Neil Armstrong. When everything that I've heard and read about Neil Armstrong is he's not really that he's
3: a human. He's a robot.
2: He's not. It, there aren't a lot of humanizing qualities about him. Is that he is capital H Hero um, and capital A Astronaut. And those are his... That's the definition. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure I am, you know, not giving the man enough credit and just making his reputation be the thing I want to see. But there's a reason why the movie called First Man and not Armstrong. Like, it's... It's not about him as a person, and then the times of the movie tries to make it about him as a person, I'm just like, yeah, 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 get to the space. But
3: I also don't think he made the movie. I think it was all of the cast together. Yeah. Shea Whigham is in it, and he's amazing in everything he does. There's a yeah.
2: great compilation of character actors. Uh, Patrick Fugit. Yeah. A uh, guy who plays Russo from uh, House of Cards. See the guy who, who's like a, his kind of... He's the junkie senator. Oh.
3: He plays Buzz Aldrin in the movie.
2: Yeah, and he plays a great Buzz Aldrin.
3: So socially unaware.
2: You know, Buzz Aldrin is the guy who punches the <laughs> the moon landing denier mm-hmm. like at a press event. So his the characterization of him is always saying inappropriate but very logical things at the wrong times. Is he
0: like a bad guy in a Marvel movie? Or something? Yeah, he's the bad guy Ant-Man. in Ant-Man.
2: Ant-Man, yeah. It's also got um, uh Jason Clark, hmm.
3: Kyle Chandler, yep. Kyle Pablo um. Shriver. Oh. the husband from The Sinner.
0: You had me at Kyle Chandler.
3: Christopher Abbott. Uh, that guy's name is Corey Stoll. Corey
0: That's Stoll. it. Yeah. Um,
2: but oh, yeah, and it
3: had Mans Rader in it too.
2: Yeah. Kieran Hines. Uh, Kieran Hines. Ooh. But it's a good movie. I just you know, and I recommend you see it. But I don't think that it is the end all, be all, Academy Award winning effort that. Were the early predictions for it?
3: It was overhyped.
2: Overhyped, overhyped, but still a great movie.
3: Yeah, still loved it.
2: I gave it four stars out of five. Nice. Which which puts it in like the top ten movies I've seen this year. Y'all ready for some breezy?
0: Yeah, some 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 light breezy. I'm just gonna hit. I'm I'm just looking at some headlines and just gonna hit you with them. Uh, Aladdin trailer dropped. Have y'all seen that yet? Yeah. No. For live action Aladdin. Yeah. You knew he was playing the genie.
1: A
3: Robin Williams.
0: No, no. The genie's gonna be getting jiggy with it. It's Will Smith.
3: Oh!
2: Wasn't he an early choice for the animated genie too? It
1: would have been too early for him.
0: Oh, uh, um, it looked a little—I don't know—looked weird. Is this? I saw the. It's Guy
1: Ritchie. Guy Ritchie is the <laughs> so Yeah, it's all.
2: I so, I like the uh, the. The takes they did on the, the music. Mm, yeah.
0: We'll watch it as soon as we stop
2: recording. Yeah, I, I'm
3: like yeah, ready to yeah, watch we'll it. Yeah, we'll be watching that
0: shortly. Uh, also, uh, Ryan Coogler will write and direct Black Panther 2. Oh,
3: so, wow. so,
2: Yeah. Oh, the another piece of news that I saw is uh, James Gunn has been hired to write a script for DC.
1: Yeah, the next Suicide Squad maybe, right? Yeah.
3: They need something. I mean... They need it so bad... So did James Gunn.
0: <laughs> he needed a job. So, uh, you know John Favreau is doing a Star Wars TV series, right? Yep, The Mandalorian. Um, a very un- uh, unexpected casting choice. There's, uh, they, they think this guy may have accidentally revealed that he's in it, but uh, possibly starring in, the, I don't know about starring, but possibly in that show as an actor, Werner Herzog. <laughs> Which makes me way more likely <laughs> to get the Disney app. Wow. <laughs> One thing that will be
2: pulled from Netflix is uh, uh, Iron Fist has officially been canceled. Hmm. Um, after this last season came out, uh, Netflix has said that not because of the deal with Disney, but they have no intention of making another Danny Rand-centered show. So he might still pop up in the, the Defenders whenever that migrates over to Disney. But uh, there is uh, Iron Fist is no more.
3: It was the worst one. It is the second season was much better, but it was by far the worst of the of the Defenders individual shows.
0: Pet Cemetery trailer is out too. Which uh, ooh, I haven't geez, seen that. Uh, I saw it. It looked pretty good. It looked pretty pretty creepy.
3: I saw that one. It was good.
0: Any other breezy that anybody has in mind? No.
2: Well, what's coming up this weekend? This weekend uh, we've pretty much got. Two movies. Um, the Hate You Give is going wide this week, but it is already available in our local theater. Um, so I'm not going to put that up for consideration. So we have two movies, uh, one of which is uh, a, a sequel to a movie that uh, is terrifying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> one of them is Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jason Clark, Diane Lane. The movie's called Serenity.
0: Uh, god, I feel like I saw, Oh my god, I, I love this Tr- name,
2: Baker Dill. Baker Dill is a fishing boat captain <laughs> leading tours off a tranquil tropical enclave called Plymouth Island. His quiet life is shattered, however, when his ex-wife Karen tracks him down with a desperate plea for help.
0: I feel like I saw the trailer for this like 2 years ago. Um just it seems like a standard uh your run of the mill like thriller movie. Yep, probably I think she's asking him to like kill her husband, who's Jason Clark. Yeah looks like g Hansu's in it. Mm -hmm. And then the other movie that is coming out
2: is... uh, don't know if you recognize this plot. Uh, Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Mike Myers. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's Halloween. Uh, The new Halloween uh, is coming out. This is the remake. 40 years later. After after the events in uh, Haddonfield,
0: Illinois. Wow. So... Getting good reviews. So, what are you gonna? What would you recommend? Halloween, Halloween, Kelly. I
3: really want to see the Hate You Give. I want the Hate You Give.
0: I want to
2: see the Hate You Give too, but I I wasn't giving it to you as an option. Oh, because oh. it is already available. You could have seen it yesterday before we recorded this. I'll I'll put the Hate You Give in there. Fine. Okay. The Hate You Give. It is about a uh, a. Ugh, I hate the words in this. What is about a young girl who's kind of a talented uh, basketball star in high school uh, gets basically recruited by this private school and uh, still is friends with people in her like kind of uh, lower income neighborhood you know more uh, diverse? No <laughs> not diverse not diverse but it is it, like from her, her black neighborhood, at home, where she would be in public school, where that she self describes as school is the place you go to buy drugs, get shot, or join a gang. Um, and on a, on a car ride with her friend from that neighborhood, uh, gets pulled over by the cops, and there is a um, the 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 young boy gets shot. And it's kind of about the friction between her in this popular neighborhood being a basketball star uh, in this white white private school versus. Her community at home, which is the all-black low-income, obviously um, kind of pulling her in both directions, being the only eyewitness other than the cop. So, The Hate You Give. It, it's got a bunch of... Um, uh, the, the young actors are fairly new, but it's got Regina Hall. Uh, Common is in it. I don't recognize Russell Hornsby, but when I click on this picture, I bet I will.
1: Um, I love Russell Hornsby in the range. <laughs> But it's just the way it is. Okay, I so mean,
0: spoilers, but in the end, the hate you give is equal to the hate you make.
1: <laughs> it's based on a pretty popular novel. It's either a YA novel or like a mass market novel. Um, I'm more interested in that. Honestly, I'm, I've never been that big on the Halloween franchise. The first one's pretty good, but the stuff outside of that, I'm just not that interested in. So, I'm going to have to wait for it to get super great word of mouth and be available streaming. I
0: have never seen a Halloween movie. So, maybe uh, maybe I'll watch the old one and then want to go see this. But for now, I guess I would pick that you give just because I don't want to see this one out of turn. This Halloween movie.
3: And I pick Bring It On.
0: <laughs> Not an option.
3: <laughs> okay, Moana. <laughs>
0: I still pick.
2: I really want to see the HGU, but I still pick Halloween. Um, I think that if it does feel the most appropriate, <laughs> it's also if your concerns are the first one's good, the rest are trash. I think it is making an active attempt. Uh, they're they're taking a stab at uh, mm. at that um, and kind of updating update updating the franchise while also this supposedly finally
0: being the last movie in the franchise. Mm. Oh. Gonna miss that William Shatner face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What'd you do to work?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but okay, so we are two to one to abstain for the Hate You Give.
3: <laughs> My recommendation stands.
2: It's not coming out in theaters,
0: home theaters. Home theaters somewhere.
2: <laughs> All right. All right, go see the Hate You Give and then
0: maybe sprinkle some Halloween on it. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinkle some Halloween on it. That's, like, that's a good little slogan. Well, that's it. That's the podcast that you just listened to. It's over. Uh, ooh. The uh, name of the podcast that you just listened to is Talky Talk. The name of the website that makes it is TheMediaBias.com. <laughs> the name of the email address is TheMediaBias at gmail.com. The name of the Twitter account where you can tweet tweet with us is <laughs> at the media by us you did it you
2: stretched it to a, an hour 30 nice
0: <laughs> names of the facebook groups are games by us tv by us and movies by us please subscribe to the podcast please give us a rating on uh, itunes or anything else where you find us and uh, the names of the music bands that you've heard today <laughs> are the Little walkers
1: Yay! Yay! love
0: them. That's me. And kicking, kicking rocks. Burriba. Down the road to The name of the final word is a Small, Small town, fine. slow folks. long time ago.
2: Kicking out records of all
3: the things that I know. All the things that I know.